Hello there. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Bookings show. I'm here today with Alessandra and Jessica. Alessandra, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Just a little cold over here in Jersey. Awesome. Yeah, we're heading into, we're into the new year. Happy New Year's 2022 for everyone listening. Uh, now or in the future. Let's hope we head in the right direction here as we go into 2022. And then Jessica is joining us for the first time. Jessica, the original uh, co-founder of Guesthook, I'm still with us in advisory capacity. Jessica, first of all, welcome. Glad that you're here. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Thanks, Conrad. Super glad to be here talking to you guys. Yeah, over here, we're we're bracing for 2022 or celebrating it, one or the other. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I've been, I, well, first of all, I'm happy to stick on with Guest Hook and continue working with you guys. And I think the way things are going, I could not be happier. I get to still like work with some clients, do a little bit of writing, but I get to pass all the hard stuff off to you guys. And so <laughs> I just get to do the stuff I enjoy. It. It's been really great. Otherwise, I'm actually cleaning part-time. I'm cleaning residential house cleaner <laughs> just to get me out of the house and, and then working on some creative projects that I've had in my mind for about a decade. So yeah, but that's what's new over here. Really happy to, to be here. I think our topic today is quite interesting because there's not really a lot of, out there on this topic, but it's, I would say, one of the most important decisions that you might make early on when you start to manage properties or when you start to you know, buy a, a single property or many properties, which is what do you name the thing? What do you name like the entity of what it is that you're marketing and promoting here? And it's something that I think we can all agree, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, is difficult to do. It's, it's not simple to just be like, oh, I'm going to come up with a name for my vacation rental property or company or both. And then in many cases, many of the clients that we've worked with over the years, they want a name for each and every property on their program. If there are property managers, they might need 50 names or 100 names or some of the biggest companies. I and mean, some leisure markets have a thousand properties. So this is a critical part of this vacation rental branding strategy that you might have when you're putting something together. But it's something that in the past, we fumbled through it in the past. You know, just let's sit down with the empty Google Doc and just start brainstorming and coming up with ideas. And then as we go through those ideas, they, we like them or don't like them, but there wasn't much structure to it. So really today's podcast, we're talking about this book called Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick by Alexandra Watkins. Alexandra is a naming professional, a branding professional, I guess, maybe is how you describe it. I picked this up on Amazon on a whim. It's a really short read. We've all read it to get ourselves knowledgeable about her process. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating. I'm ready to talk about this a little bit more, dive into it. Um, Alessandra, do you want to explain these two acronyms that she teaches us in chapter one and chapter two? which is the SMILE acronym and the SCRATCH acronym? Sure. So basically, she just describes how she uses a SMILE in SCRATCH test. So those are her acronyms. So for SMILE, it's the five qualities of a super sticky name. So you would want your brand name to be suggestive, something that evokes something about your brand. So there's some of the examples she mentioned were Groupon, Cinnabon, Pinterest. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I always have, I have difficulty with that one for some reason, but on my end. Other one, the next one is meaningful, which means it's going to obviously resonate with your audience. So some of the examples she mentioned are Repel. We all know that's like bug spray. Yelp, we know is for customer reviews. And I thought this one was cool. I've never heard of this one. May Day, which is a tech support button. So that's a really cool, I thought that was a really cool mm -hmm. name for a tech support button. And then there was, the next one was imagery. So something that is going to visually aid in your guest's memory. She mentioned Target, which obviously we all know, Target, who doesn't know Target? Irish Spring and Leapfrog. So Leapfrog, and like they do toys too, right guys, I think? They do toys and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or yeah. I don't know for kids. 
yeah, my two-year-old got a few of these uh, leapfrog toys for Christmas. I think it's a clever name because what do you want your child to do? You want them to leapfrog with the other uh, kids as far as knowledge or you know, insight or whatever the case may be. I think that's a clever So I don't have kids, so that's why I don't really know much yeah. about leapfrog. But I know it was something in that, the something with children and educational means. That's a good one. And then her other one, the other part of smile is legs. So that means it lends itself to a theme for extended mileage, which I like this example so much. It's the Trader Joe's one. So if I don't know if whoever shopped at Trader Joe's, like I've gotten stuff that um, that's basically they put legs on their brands so that they have like the different ethnic foods. So they have Trader Jose, Trader Ming's, Trader Giotto's, which makes me laugh because that's the Italian one. Trader Joe's son, which is the Japanese one. And then Trader Jacques, which is for French, the French food. So I think that's interesting. And I always laugh when I do buy something from Trader Joe's and I see that. I just laugh. at. I just like literally laugh when I'm holding it. I think it's funny. Is the Italian Trader Joe's food any good or you have high standards? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I love Trader Joe's. So all their stuff is good to me. But I always laugh when I see that one, like Trader Giotto's and me and my sister crack up. I don't know why it's so funny to me, but that's smart in their branding and how they did that. And that one, sorry to cut you, I just want to say that one's pretty relevant for vacation rentals for that, for those who have a property management company, but then also want the individual homes to have brands. So you can create the legs there for that one, keeping that in mind. Yeah, I think we've seen it. I think we've seen it before. I know we have one more element to smile in companies where they may, they're just named after a location. So it's like area name vacation rentals or area name rentals. And maybe that worked in the old school SEO world. Oh, great. You're called, let's just say destinfloridavacationrentals.com and you managed to secure that domain and that's your company name. But that doesn't really give you any legs at all, does it, right? If you want to go into Panama City Beach, what are you going to be? Destin Vacation Rentals in Panama City Beach. So I think legs, I think we're going to come back to that as we go through this process as something where you want to name your company something where if you pick up properties in other markets, you're not completely handcuffed to that single market. I think that's that's a core element of what we can use in this framework. Going. The last like she had was emotional. That's the last part of smile. This one, I really like this one a lot. The emotional is basically it's going to have to move people. So one of her examples was a hotel that changed their wedding packages names. And once they did that, they had an increase of 25% in sales, which I thought was super interesting. So they used to have rehearsal dinner and they changed that to meet the parents, which Guys, I was laughing. I was literally laughing out loud at a lot of these brand names and a lot of the changes they made. Quirky, but they're they're so good at the same time. So then the next one package they had was co-ed bridal shower, which they changed it to shower together. <laughs> <laughs> and then their post-reception bar rental package was changed to last call for alcohol. Then their post-wedding brunch was changed to bloody married. <laughs> Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, that one makes me laugh so much. And then guest rate package was changed to entourage rate. So just by changing these names, they had an increase of 25% in sales with their wedding packages, which is awesome. And which you wouldn't think, oh, just by changing the name, it's going to increase, but it increased by 25%, which is amazing. Yeah, I think a relevant example in the VR world is with COVID, people talk, I know even in the hotel space, they talk about it's a certified clean or something like that. So it's not just that we took this property and turned it over and cleaned it as we've done for right years and years as far as turning over a vacation rental property. It's, oh, we went in and we went through our specific cleaning process. So we used these approved cleaning chemicals and formulas and things like that. So I think the emotional element of like branding, if you will, naming your cleaning process, maybe it's not as... um 
fun and warm and fuzzy as these wedding example, although I think that's awesome. But it does give people a sense of, oh, like they go above and beyond to actually clean the property. I think that's a good example of using emotion in your vacation rental kind of copy and branding and marketing so that people feel comfortable in the space, which is obviously, you know, very valuable over the past two years or so. So the we'll go into the scratch element. So basically between the smile and scratch, the whole point is, is that she basically says that you want your guests or clients or whoever it may be to smile at your brand name versus scratching their head. So this is where her whole smile and scratch comes from. So smile is basically the positives and scratch is basically the negative. So when we go into scratch, she says the first element is spelling challenge. So looks like a typo. So for instance, there's house, the interior design, which is spelled H-O-U-Z, which I've seen. I think a lot of people have seen that. Haagen-Dazs. We all know what Haagen-Dazs is, but it's spelled like pretty funky. And then there's the fancy chocolate. Can someone, I don't know how to pronounce this. Do you guys know how to pronounce this one? She doesn't even know how. The T-C-H-O. Yeah. I got nothing. Jessica, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Maybe the T is silent. That's the best guess I've got. <laughs> Choke. <She's>, yeah. <laughs> she says that in the book, too. She's I have no idea. I don't know how to say this. So that's the thing. If it's spelling challenge, basically steer away from it. Also, anything that's a copycat, you can get in trouble. Trademarks. So you need to stay away from that to, as well. So if it's similar to a competitor's name, steer clear. So basically, there was a million examples she had of people who copied Pinkberry, which was the yogurt that went wild at one point. I don't know if it's, is it still around? I don't know. I don't know. Unless you're honestly around. Yeah, Yeah. it is, it is, but yeah. So they were, there was a million copycats she found. And some of the examples she found were Yoberry, Peachberry, Yogi Berry. So everyone was basically using the berry and doing the same thing. So she knows, she said, stay away from the copycats. The next element is restrictive. So it limits future growth. So her example was Roomba, the vacuum. I think we all know what Roomba is. And then they came up with Scuba, which was their wet vac. But then they started running out of BA names. And then their next products were Vero for pools and Luge for gutters. And she was basically saying, how does this make any sense? And it's just all jumbled. (laughs) Um. Then she goes into the next element, which is annoying, and that means it's forced or frustrates customers when they have to say it. So there was sprayology, perfumania, and Tivana, which Tivana, I think a lot of people know about Tivana, but they are a little bit weird, and I don't know. Does that frustrate you guys? <laughs> I, am, I, am I wrong for saying I like perfumania? I think that's awesome, but... <laughs> Yeah, I don't hate Tivana either, actually, but there's this kind of like sprayologies. Yeah, it's just, it's too difficult to say. And then you just, you feel odd saying it to someone. Yeah. And they're like, what? So yeah, if it makes you feel weird when you say it, then there's something wrong there. And then the next element she goes into is tame. So basically, if it's flat, descriptive, uninspired. So she goes into examples of the cloud, which there are millions and millions of people using the word cloud. So some of them, she said cloud 2B, cloud 2.0, cloud 365, however you want to say that. But a lot of the, a lot of people are using the word cloud and it's overplayed, overdone. So she was talking about how stay away from that. The next element was curse of knowledge makes sense only to insiders. So she mentioned Starbucks, the size tall, 
which originally when they came out with a tall, that was supposed to be a large, but then it turned into a small. So that's interesting. I always thought Starbucks, the names of their sizes were interesting. Like sometimes you go there and you're all jumbled and you're like, can I have a small now? A tall? I don't know. I always felt like that with Starbucks, the jumbling of the names. And then there was uh, a pet food. I don't even know how to say this one. You can I think it's, yeah, you can do that. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is a national bank that's Nequa, which is, I think, a river in Oregon, she was saying. So it's like hmm. the insiders only basically know what these meanings are. So she's saying to stay away from that as well. And then the last thing she says to stay away from is if it's hard to pronounce and it's not obvious or approachable. So this one was easy for me because I, my parents are Italian. So I knew that this was Gito, like, which is... I, it was easy for me because I, I know that word, but a lot of people would be like, would probably say gyro. I don't know. How would you, they would say different things. And that's for bike gear. And then the yogurt, I only know how to say this because I've seen commercials, but I would, faye, that's the right way to say it, but it's F-A-G-E. So you could say that all different ways. And then this one, I always had trouble saying, honestly, and only because of the book, do I know how to say it properly? The running shoes and apparel. I always used to say Saucony. That's what I thought it was, but it's Saucony. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, I, yeah. I said it like you said it. Yeah, that's how I always used yeah. to say it. Huh. Yeah, these are interesting. So basically, that's her test is basically if it makes someone smile, it's a good brand name. And if it makes someone scratch their head, stay away from it. So that's her whole take on brand names. I, I like this one a lot. I think that there's certainly some elements here that I see a lot in our kind of vacation rental world. So copycat, I think a lot of people will put some sort of different word in front of B&B. And unfortunately, I just think whether you like it or not, I think Airbnb now owns the B&B, what, suffix or yeah, suffix, not prefix, right, Jessica? Yeah. So I think if you're, if you're calling yourself like a Pittsburgh B&B, I don't know if that really is going to line up well with what people are expecting. I think that's a bit copycatish if you're just copying off of sort of the Airbnb name strategy. The restricted element, I think it goes back to what I said a moment ago, right? If you name yourself Destin Florida Vacation Rentals or something like that, then you can't go into new geographies. You can't even offer other services, that sort of thing. I think that kind of limits you a little bit too. Um, and then it's hanging again. I, I think we see this a lot too, where people just use like the same. I actually stayed in a property years ago in St. Thomas and it was just called the beach house. I think the beach house was already taken. So they just called it like the beach house five or something like that. And it was like, I was like, where are the first four? They were like, oh, those were all taken. So it's just called the beach house five. Made no sense. Didn't really like it. Awesome property, but a very tough name. And then yeah, hard to pronounce. I think this sometimes people love to use puns in the names of their properties as well. They'll call them, uh, you know, like, like, beach sea breeze or something and then the c is the letter c not sea so i think that's a common one that people do all the time to come up with something kind of fun and punny which may make someone smile when they see it but if they're trying to find that property later like on google for example that may not be the best seo strategy to leverage as though so i love the scratch test um in this book because i think it would be a good way to show someone who's maybe considering a name like hey you probably don't want to do that because here's the reasons why someone might struggle with it but jessica like you've worked in this space a long time and you've done a lot of creative work around this kind of branding and naming elements here or, or do you have you seen some of these same things in the scratch test come up again and again and you've you know been able to describe them to people or what are your thoughts of the scratch test though, in your experience yeah yeah i would say the things from the scratch test that i would come across the most would be that curse of knowledge insider thing people who are using maybe like the name of their pet or even their own name or something that's like kind of something to make the people they know smile but it isn't quite 
evocative or capturing something about the destination that is really going to like pull people in. It's more like, we need a name. I'll pick something that is entertaining to me. (laughs) So I've seen that one a good bit. So yeah, that one goes back to the the curse of knowledge thing where you feel like you have to have some insider knowledge to to know what they're talking about. You mentioned the restrictive from the scratch test, the R where it's, you're trying to, uh, yeah, to have well, the beach house. Yeah, beach house five. <laughs> that makes me laugh. You're, you need to have an overarching brand that can help you easily come up with. So I'm trying to think of a good a good example of one of those where they had an umbrella and then oh, am I going to think of one? We did some naming projects recently for some folks. And I think that, that one that came to mind and one that I liked was where we had like a central theme and then it was all offshoots of that theme. So this is actually one that I haven't shared yet in the past. One that we brainstormed that I believe was rejected, which is that I believe the the name of the property management company was something like palm tree related. So it was like the palm tree management or something like that. And then all the properties were the names of different palm trees in the area. So it was called like the Carolina palm, the this palm, that palm, like there was different ways to brand it, but it all tied back to their overarching theme of home and being in the Southern US market that made a lot of sense. So I do wonder if there's more work that we can do in that area going forward and something to think about for people listening, which is that do you have a central theme and then can you like do offshoots of that theme for naming the properties or naming one thing that we've seen a little bit of in the past is people having property managers having collections of properties like this is the oceanfront collection this is the luxury collection but try and make that a little more creative this is the platinum properties or something like that if you're if you're naming with metals or something like that i think there's a lot of creativity that people could start to use and leverage because some terms and i know you said this in the past too jessica like luxury that's a very objective term what is luxury to me may not be luxury to you and vice versa if you come up with these new things you can define you can define it your way you don't, have to, you don't have to use a word like luxury to describe what you offer you can make something unique and then use that to describe what your properties offer people. Yes. Something that kind of like evokes luxury rather than using the word. I don't know. What comes to mind is like diamond stuff like that. Something that has a kind of luxury feel to it without actually coming out and saying luxury because it becomes almost the copycat within the scratch that sort of you know, the power of it gets diluted when a lot of people are using it. It becomes also there's the tame part of scratch where it's it's just kind of flat, uninspired. It's not really grabbing anyone because it is used so much. I find it interesting that some of the brands that had used that in the past, like luxury retreats come to mind. They were acquired by Airbnb. It seems like they've killed that. And now Airbnb um, has used the word lux, which is, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, Jessica. It's close enough, but it's like L-U-X-E. So they'll be like, oh, these are Airbnb Lux, but then they've gone in a different direction with Airbnb Plus properties. So they try to differentiate some of their best listings on their platform um, using some of these terminology, but they seemingly didn't love the luxury retreats property uh, branding, even though that was something that you know was very successful from a revenue standpoint, from a visibility standpoint. And luxury retreats truly had high-end luxury properties on their platform. I don't think anyone would dispute that, but it looks like they got away from that and they're pushing people into this Airbnb Lux, Airbnb Plus kind of environment. Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting the way they've gone with the the one syllable. I think maybe she talked, Alexandra talks about that in the book where it's, people are using like a snappy one word thing, which seems like modern and like the thing that happens a lot in tech, it seems. So yeah, that may have been part, part of it for them. They want that like modern feeling. Luxury retreats feels, yeah, not quite that same modern tinge to it. I saw that. I think it was Stripe. No, not Stripe. I'm sorry. It was Square recently rebranded to Block. And then of course, Facebook has gone to Meta. So these are all these like, I think it hits on that theme you mentioned a moment ago, Jessica, those one word names of Block and Meta. And a lot of these startups too, they try to use these one word names. But that brings us to an, into an interesting point, which is actually chapter three, or excuse me, yeah, chapter three of the book where she talks about domain names. Now, this is something that I have an interest in, per- and, but I think that everybody who's tried to come up with a name has run into this. Let's say you find a name that's passive smile, that passes the scratch test. Now you want to go buy 
that .com domain name, right? So typically a few things are going to happen. You've come up with such a cool, unique, awesome name no one else has ever thought of, and you can just go buy the .com for 15 bucks. If so, congratulations. Like <laughs> you've done a great job. Kudos to you. The next path would be you go to buy the domain name. Someone else has already purchased it, a domain investor, and they want a few hundred, a few thousand, you know, multiple five figures for the domain, depending on how unique or how valuable they believe it to be. So you can choose to pay that tax or not, or you go for an alternate extension, right? So if you come up with a cool domain name, and let's say you can't own block.com, if you're, if you're square, you go and buy blockfinance.com, or you go and buy, you know, block.net or something like that, block.io. So the domain name side of things, obviously what we would recommend typically just from a branding and awareness perspective is a .com, but .coms aren't always available. Alessandra, what was your, what was your sense of chapter three when it came to coming up with a unique, a unique name, but then also trying to find that domain name out there in the marketplace? In this chapter with the domains, uh, what I found was interesting was the example that she gives of a candle company and if it were to be named Fireworks, and if you're, you know, looking for this domain name and it's taken. So her take on that is basically to add one or two words in front of um, fireworks or after fireworks um, so you could still have the domain name with fireworks in it. So basically, for example, she has fireworkscandles.com or fireworksstore.com or buy buyfireworks.com like B-U-I. So I thought that was really interesting. And then um, she also mentioned, you know, one of these domains that you really want might be taken by someone else and they could be up to like $5,000. Um, and she says, don't really do it unless you have the money to do it. So for me, you know, I'm have my own vacation rental and I'm just a small guy. I only have one. So for me, you know, I would never spend $5,000 to buy a domain. Um, but you know, if you're a bigger company or if you have the money and you really want that domain name, then I understand, um, doing that and justifying, you know, spending the money or even trying to negotiate it to get it down. So that's what I thought was interesting about this section on domains. Jessica, when you picked up guesthook.com, was it just available 10 bucks? That was that unique of a yeah, name? Yeah, it was easy. Yeah. It was an easy one. Yep. Yeah, we got lucky with that. I thought for tra for travel, it's nice we can do something like stay and then the mm -hmm. name, stay or travel, then the name. There's so, sort of some of those verbs that you can use to get to pick up the domain. But luckily with guesthook, yeah, we didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> I, I like that, Jessica, just adding some stay or other modifiers. I think that's a good vacation rental or travel example. Because if I think, well, what was Airbnb's original domain name? I think because Airbnb was, of course, originally once Airbed and Breakfast. I, I, I don't know if they actually originally obtained Airbnb or if they were at one point Airbed and Breakfast mm -hmm. as their original domain name. But I would suspect that's something that they did have to do originally. And now they they were able to once secure the domain name. So my sense of it, as someone that now owns some domains, is that, yes, of course, it's worth the money, right? Especially if someone that wants to buy one comes across one of our pages that we have where we've secured some of these domain names. We want them <laughs> to buy it. But I get your point, Alessandra. It's a significant investment. And depending mm -hmm. on what they're asking, you know, what one tip on the domain name side of things is just because they're asking $5,000 doesn't mean they won't take 500 or a thousand, right? It's all arbitrary to some degree, what someone's willing to pay for it. And if you don't own some awesome, like one word.com dictionary and you own some 
let's say someone owns statepittsburgh.com and they wanted to sell statepittsburgh.com to someone, it's just whoever wants to pay for it. It's a bit arbitrary as far as the value of that. Tools and resources, we'll put some of these in the show notes, like NameBio is one that I've gone to before, N-A-M-E-Bio.com. And you can put in like a prefix to Jessica's point, like you could put in stay and then look at .coms that have had stay in them and see what they've sold for if it was publicly reported. Now, not all sales are going to be publicly reported, but you can get a little bit of information and say, oh, someone actually was willing to pay $5,000 for Stay Philadelphia. So maybe I'm willing to pay $2,000 for Stay Pittsburgh or something like that, if that's your brand name that you want to go with. So I think that there's ways around it, like modifying the domain name. I wouldn't, re- I typically wouldn't recommend a different extension for the most part doing you know, Airbnb.net. I don't know if we would have heard about them, if they would have had that level of success, especially if someone else owns Airbnb.com and they're using it for some other purpose. So I think you got to be careful in that arena. We always recommend the .com, but yeah, modify it as necessary. Pay the tax if you really like that name. And if the .com is in use by someone else, and I think that's a reason enough to scratch it from the list and take it off because... Even if they're in another space or another industry, you may constantly have people being confused. I've read stories about people who, this is actually a bank that I work with and their extension is .bank. And I'm like, that's such a bad idea because someone else owns the .com. And I feel like people are going to email them like Jessica at this bank .com as opposed to yeah. Jessica at this .bank. And I feel like that's going to cause a lot of constra- uh, frustration and confusion on the guest side of things. They're not going to know where to go to actually find your website. So definitely stick to the .com if you can. Try to find that domain name that's available. Pay the tax if you really love the name. But I think part of this brainstorming process is seeing if that domain is actually available and open and not in use by other people and putting that as part of your as part of the naming and branding. We've talked a little bit about the domain name, the smile and scratch test, which I love. Let's talk a little bit more broadly about like the branding side of it. Alessandra, you collected some notes around what, like, why should someone care? Hopefully if they're this far into the episode, they have some interest in coming up with a unique name, but what's going to, why can't I just call this whatever the address is? Or why can't I call this Aruba Condo 2? Why do I have to come up with a brand? What's the value that someone's going to see in that? Of course, a brand has value everywhere, right? Not just with a vacation rental um, business. Branding any business is very important. When we come, when we talk about a vacation rental, looking at uh, an article Logify wrote, and they, they have different reasons of why your vacation rental needs a brand. So a brand obviously will help you stand out from the crowd. A brand will set expectations. A brand becomes self-explanatory. A brand is the basis of your for your marketing. So obviously anything that you do with your vacation rental business, you'll need a brand for your marketing. So that will be any anywhere that you're trying to show your vacation rental brand off. So you would be doing that with a welcome book and a guest book and toiletries on your website. So where that's going to be very important because you want your guests to remember you. And then a brand also builds trust and loyalty. You want them to become return guests. They're going to remember you. You want them to also use word of mouth, tell your their friends and family about your vacation rental. And of course, a brand can build value. So those were the important things that I saw in the article, which a brand, as we know, a brand is a big deal. So it's something that you need to have for any business. Yeah, exactly. And there's ways that they talked about how to actually build the brand. So once you come up with this name, once you have this domain name, once you're actually starting to build things out, I think the way to build the brand is to make it obvious to people. That's one thing I think some of the clients that we've worked with over the years haven't always done a great job of, which is that you're actually inside the property. You still don't know who's your property manager. You still don't know the name of the property you're staying in, that sort of thing. So having signs on the property can be useful. Having on the refrigerator, having your instructions there is useful. But having your brand and your logo at the top is obviously critical as well. 
especially if that person is booking through Airbnb. I think it's a very, we talked about it a little bit, I think in the past, where young guests nowadays trying Airbnb for the first time, they think they're booking like an Airbnb. That's how they describe it. It's like a verb, right, Jessica? Like they don't think of it like, oh, I'm staying in a property hosted by this property manager who happened to list the property on Airbnb. They think of it as staying with Airbnb. So a brand is a way to create a little bit of independence down the road, right, away from these listing sites, which we should use them and leverage them. And they're awesome partners, but we shouldn't be completely reliant on them. And building your own little mini brand is a way to do that, Jessica. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I was thinking about that, Alessandra, when you were talking about about people booking on Airbnb, and then it's like when you when you have a name that then becomes like not this property on Airbnb that we stayed at, but the name of the property. So like it solidifies it in your own name. Like I still remember in two thousand three, I stayed at a place called the Blue Tomato Beach House, and like, that's still is with me. I actually should look and see if they're still around. Those like at the time we booked it on VRBO, so it was very early days, but it was like. We didn't say that property on VRBO. It was like Blue Tomato Beach House. We still talk about it that way. Setting yourself apart from the Airbnb brand, I think is super important. And a name goes a long way to do that because it is that quick recognition of the place. What's the origin of that name? I'm <laughs> <laughs> actually not sure, but there was a lot of blue, like blue was incorporated a lot into, and it had that feeling. I think we were in South Carolina, actually. It had that feeling of like a Southern beach house, like with the, the gabled front porch and that kind mm. of thing. Like... It just fit. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a key element, right? So Alessandra, you've come up with a cool name for your property in Aruba. How did you arrive at that name? And does that name carry some meaning into the property itself? I'm curious. Oh, Do we have a long time? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Actually, the it, branding is probably the hardest thing you can do or that you have to do. I struggled with it for a while and I went back and forth with my property management team with different names and they were like, no. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I'm just going to take a break here and I literally took a two-week break I'm like I don't even want to think about this anymore so my parents owned a business it was a pizzeria and I was working and this guy came over to me and he's this is so weird but someone left this on top of the the garbage and I was like what is it like where you place your trays and stuff like that so it was like on top of there just in the corner and he's I don't know he's it's just weird and they it was a blue marble and it was a pyrite stone and I was like, this is the randomest thing because in all my life of being in the pizzeria of over 32 years, I've that's something like that's never happened. So I was like, okay, I'll just put it on the side. And if someone comes back, I'll give it to them. But then at the same time, I was like, I want to Google blue marble. So I just Googled the words blue marble and it came up as an image. It was an image taken of Earth on... December 7th, 1972 by the crew of Apollo 17. And it looks like the earth looks like a blue marble mm. and it's really bizarre. And then I just kept looking into it and I found an article and it said the blue marble was an iconic image because it perfectly represented the human condition of living on an island in the universe with all the frailty an island ecosystem is prey to. So I was like, hello, my condo is on an island so I was like, this is it. And then next to it was a pyrite stone. And the pyrite stone reflects the energy of gold bringing success, enthusiasm, happiness, and power. So I was like, okay, this is it. This is the name. Nice. So that's how it happened. <laughs> and my so, property management team loved it. So I was like, okay, this is great. This is it. I like that. I like that mode of inspiration. Mm -hmm. and so basically, if other people want to name their properties, they just need to go work at a restaurant, wait for something interesting <laughs> to be thrown in the trash, and then they can do the same thing. Yeah, it was so bizarre because all these years, like, why is there a random blue marble and a, a pyrite stone sitting together 
like on top of the garbage. It wasn't in the garbage. It was just like hanging out where you put your, your dirty trays and stuff. And I still have the stone and I still have the marble. That's awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. So your place is called the Blue Marble? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. I love that. Sometimes, I love yeah. That. Sometimes the heavens send you a name. Yeah. <laughs> all, you guys need to do. all you do is just, yeah, wait to see what comes down from above. <laughs> yeah, it was so bizarre. And it just seemed so perfect. And I was like, this is it. And then as soon as I told my team, they're like, we love it. And it's okay, then this is it. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jessica. Going over to you for a second, like I said, you've done this kind of thing in the past when you were running Guest Hook all the time, people ask this sort of thing. What's new in this book that you thought um, would help someone go through this process, this naming process, this branding process? Was it mostly the smile and scratch test? Was there other things that you thought were useful? Yeah, I thought the smile and scratch was great because she's a naming professional. So she knows that even those acronyms really help with memory and recall. So that's really nice, first of all, because there's a lot of good information. It's digestible. Let me just take a quick peek through my notes here because there are some pages that I marked. The domain stuff was really interesting to me. So we've already touched on that. But yeah, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought like she had some good perspective because I, in the the past when I've done the naming process, I'd be very focused from the beginning on making sure that domain existed. So I wouldn't get excited about a name. (laughs) So if I thought something was good, I'd check it right away. But her kind of, her thought was... There's things you can do. So don't immediately write something out or write something off if, if the brand name isn't available. And it's hard with vacation rentals because there's a lot of them and they're all houses and they're all like people are sourcing from similar things like a beach house or a house in the mountains. It's hard to find something that fits that location that isn't already in use. But then she encourages that that little bit of just think a little bit outside the obvious and you can still use that, but just slightly different. Let's see. Oh, and she also said that like long names are okay. And there were a lot of times where I was thinking the name was too long. She's actually saying it's fine to have a a longer name, which again, is pretty relevant for vacation rentals because people are often trying to have something vacation rental. So it's already going to be a longer name. But then for the domain, you don't necessarily need to have vacation rentals in there. So let's see. She also had in the fourth chapter was her creative brief that she shares with clients. And so the, the clients will help help her with that naming process by answering some like really targeted, interesting questions, like having them sum up their business in 140 characters or less, <laughs> Twitter-friendly, <laughs> Twitter-friendly 140 characters. So um, encouraging your, your clients to participate in the process by really succinctly summing up what they're about, then you can use that. And, uh, and in that section too, she talks about target audience, which I think is something that we talk about a little bit from a marketing perspective. Hey, are you trying to attract families to your properties? Are you trying to attract couples? Are you trying to attract people coming for a specific attraction or to do certain activities? But I think that absolutely plays into the brand name for sure. Because if you're trying to promote outdoorsy hiking stuff and you're in Colorado, you're probably going to want to pick a different domain name than someone or a brand name and a domain name, obviously. Um, than someone who's based in, you know, beach town. It's more about relaxation and going to the beach and going fishing and that sort of stuff. These are different like modes of activity that someone may use. And I think that probably would reflect itself in your brand when you go through this process. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. She also talks about the brand personality and coming up with some adjectives to describe your brand to help, again, help with that naming process. So some of the, some of the adjectives that she came up with would be like playful, smart, likable, kid-friendly, which is very relevant for vacation rentals. I think she's talking here about snacks, like snack a snack brand she's trying to do a name for. But anyway, modern, fresh, healthy. So coming up again with some quick ways of identifying your brand and, and, and personality really does figure in quite a bit with vacation rentals because there's there's like very obviously people behind it people that will interact with guests and so having a personality in your brand is is important and the name can go a long way to to giving it that personality 
Right on. I, I love the, the brainstorming chapters right after that. And it's something that, again, I think we've all talked about in this call. It's difficult. Alessandra didn't brainstorm. She just I found her. But that, that's not a repeatable process. Of course, we're, ju- we're joking about it a little bit. That's not a repeatable process. Her brainstorming, I thought, was really interesting, which is that you find all these other references when it comes to, for example, like media or songs, or I've done this in the past. I go to the area that we're trying to brand the property in, and I'll look at what's the state bird of that area, or what's the nature or wildlife that exists, or what's the name of the park, or what's the name of the uh, community or neighborhood, not just the name of the city or town. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can brainstorm effectively that's hopefully a little bit more repeatable based on criteria like that. So I thought that was another uh, key chapter in the book as well. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought up that about the kind of the process because it can actually be quite fun. I I would rely a lot when I was doing naming more frequently. I would look at Google images a lot. It just engages a different part of the brain where you're looking at images and thinking about things in a more brained way. You're thinking about emotions and images and not quite the same like words and words can like contribute to that feeling of emotion or image, but you have to look beyond it a little bit. One thing, I think something that from Alessandra's anecdote that is (laughs) is good to focus on is that sometimes you just need to step away from it and see what comes to you. So that is maybe a repeatable process if you're like, if you're really in the weeds with it and you're like, I don't know, like nothing sounds right. You're just, if you're doing the naming yourself, like deep in the process, but sometimes you just need to walk away from it and see what arises like later on after you take some time away from it. I think that was a good, a good tip. You might find a marble in a stone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So Alessandra, this guy, like your both your thoughts on this now that we're getting towards the, the the end of our process here. What's the most important thing you think the listeners should know when it comes to this process? Is it mostly smile scratch? Is that the brainstorming element that we just talked about that's worth them remembering? Or how should they think about this if they're going through this process with their own company or with their own properties? Alessandra, you go first. I think the smile and scratch is is really good. I would have never known of this if I didn't read the book. So if I think anybody out there that might need help with branding, they should probably pick up this book. It's really short and it is good. And I think I think the one thing also is that that might be important is that a lot of people when they're branding, they try to get too many opinions from too many people. So I think that creates sometimes that creates an issue because I even had that with a client like they're asking so many different people what they think about all different names and then it's just confusing you so I think that's something that's important too I don't know how many people you should actually be like talking about it with I don't know that's just my opinion sometimes I feel like too many opinions just confuses you even further I think if someone was if someone was starting a bookstore today and you told them you were going to call it Amazon they would be like, that's I don't, that doesn't make any sense at all. I don't understand what you're doing. And now it's the most valuable company on the planet. Apple, we're going to make computers. Oh, that doesn't make any sense at all. So yeah, I'm with you. I think too many opinions are undoubtedly, you're going to find someone that doesn't have some thoughts on it. Because I also think that when someone's asking your opinion, you don't just want to say you like it, you want to give them useful feedback. And that can lead to just opinions that don't really actually line up with the reality. I would say it's passing smile, it's passing scratch. You like it, you find the domain name. That alone probably is enough ammo for you to go on to actually pick a domain name, but or pick a brand name. What do you think, Jessica? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And there's you should like you should like your own name, right? Because you're going to be seeing it a lot. You're going to be writing it a lot. Eventually, like I noticed with Guesthook, after a while, stopped thinking about it. But still, it was very much like it was on all my business cards, and so it has to be something that you connect with. But I think if you're going to listen. To someone else's opinions, you should probably talk to someone that's in in the range of your target guest. So if you're attracting families, you want to talk to someone who takes their families on a lot of vacations and just someone who's like 
part of that target audience. So you have a little bit more meaningful feedback. Otherwise, yeah, you get like writer's block almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think also another good tip. Yeah, I agree that like this book is totally worth picking up. Easy read. And then you have those the smile scratch acronyms to help you with any of the naming processes. But yeah, I think just creating, just like letting things flow and just having an open doc and just typing in various ideas, kind of just letting the thoughts flow can be a really good way to get out of that block and just don't overthink it, which is a trap that I fell into when I was naming four people. I would get a little perfectionistic rather than just typing out what comes to mind and then honing it from there could be a good tip. Right on, right on. So I think we all agreed we are willing to help people now more with this. We've always done in the past, but now that we have this awesome framework, I think it's something we can learn from. So the book is, Hello, My Name is Awesome. We'll put a link in the show notes. I think that wraps us up for today. Thanks to Alessandra for joining me as always on the show. And thanks, Jessica, for hopping on. We really appreciate your feedback and your thoughts. It's always super useful. You can always reach out to us, info at guesthook.com if you have any questions or you need a little help with your branding or naming. I think we're willing to offer that now. If you like the show or see any value in it, definitely leave a review on whatever podcast platform of choice you use, and we will see you next time.